Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugach and welcome to Game On. We're all living in a Pep Guardiola world. How long can this amazing winning run go on for? Arsenal edge past Benfica in Athens, Arsenal supposedly at home of course, and Leicester crash out of Europe. Joining us to discuss all this, the former Doncaster Bells and England winger Sue Smith, Tony Cotty who played for England, Everton and West Ham, and the Daily Mail's chief sports writer Martin Samuel. Hello, everybody. Good to see everyone looking so well. Sue, welcome along. Thank you for being with us. Let's start with uh, the Europa League. Let's start with uh, with uh, Europe this week, Sue. Arsenal put their fans through it, don't they? And um, <laughs> the extraordinary thing is that their best player is a 19-year-old, isn't he? Bukayo Saka. I mean, he is on a different level, it seems, to a lot of his teammates. He's been absolutely brilliant. And, and I think... He has been the key often this season. I think when Arsenal have looked for a little bit of inspiration, it's often been him. He's been the one that, that has stepped up. And, and I think the, the concern for, for Arsenal fans and, and and I suppose Arsenal in general is you just don't want to burn him out because he is still so young. So, of course, you want him to play. You need him to play, but you don't want him to, I suppose, just have that, that fatigue that, as a youngster, you want to just drop them in and, and drop them out. But he's been so key for Arsenal. And like you say, there was a little bit of a, a scare. I was really pleased for Aubameyang actually to, to go on and, and get the winner. And, and I think that was important. Sometimes I think when it's a game like that and it's so, you have to really fight back. You have to get that win. Sometimes it means even a little bit more. Tony, it would have been very Arsenal to go out on away goals in Athens. But uh, anyway, it didn't come to pass, luckily for them. You'd like to have played with Saka, wouldn't you, the way you put Aubameyang through for both goals? Yeah, he's been fantastic, hasn't he, Mark? And it's it's interesting how I think Arsenal's best players this year have been the youngsters, isn't it? Smith Rowe as well has really come into the fore as well. So it's great. Arsenal have always produced great youngsters. We know that. So it's really important they continue that. But no, Saka's been been brilliant. Um, he certainly will be in Gareth Southgate's faults. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, he, he's been outstanding. He's almost sort of leading the team, really. And for someone so young, you know, it's a huge responsibility on his shoulders. But he's been fantastic. And I mean, the, the, the through ball for the little deep for Aubameyang was absolutely sublime. It really was. And, you know, I mean, Aubameyang made it look easy, but it, and it wasn't an easy chance. But you only get the chance to do that technique if there's a real quality of weight on the ball and the pass from Saka was just fantastic and great finish and you know Arsenal are through you know they, as we always say in cup football it doesn't always matter how you play obviously it's different where it's two legs but it doesn't matter how you play the main thing is to get into the uh, the next round and unlike my old team Leicester that I watched last night then who are not in the next round at least Arsenal yeah. are in the next round yeah, what, what about Leicester? Uh, reading the paper this morning, the Rogers Spring curse. This is the fifth time it's happened at this stage, twice with Liverpool, twice with Celtic. We know they faded away last season, literally on the final day, not to get the Champions League spot. Madison's injured. Is there any part of you, Tony, that's thinking, oh, no, please not again, Leicester. You've played so well for so long. Don't, fa-. you know, they feel like there's two furlongs to go every season. Then they start to hit the wall. I hope that's not the case. I mean, uh, up until last night, um, you know, I've been really, really pleased with Leicester. You know, I do stuff for the club. I watch them very closely. I think whenever they've had a defeat, Mark, which is key, they bounce back straight away. 
And they've got to do that. I know we're going to talk about the game at the weekend that they've got Arsenal home at the weekend when they need to bounce back. But last night, it was such a poor performance. It really was dreadful. And uh, a very unlike Leicester, there was just, you know, they had sort of the spine of the team were playing, as in Smichael and Didi, Tielemans, uh, uh, Evan Soyuncu, you, Jamie Vardy up front. That spine was in place and they just didn't perform. And I know he made four changes, but it, it just was a really, really disappointing performance. But listen, it happens. It does happen in the course of the season. Every team, even Man City, I know it was earlier in the season, not at the moment, but every team has a blip where you have a poor performance. And let's hope that's Leicester's real poor performance of the season out of the way and they bounce back at the weekend. Martin, we'll talk about Man City in a moment, but on the Europa League, what was the what, what was the highlight from you from the British point of view? And I say British because Rangers had a thumping win. What was the highlight from you this week? I was going to say the sweet garlic risotto I made while um, um, <laughs> while it was on. I must admit, uh, I, I, I didn't really, but I, I watched a bit of the Arsenal game. I was quite involved with writing the cricket up at that stage. It doesn't. It doesn't take off for me until um, last sixteen. Really, the Europa League. It was huge for Arsenal. There was one match last night, which was Arsenal, um, because that could be. This could be their only chance of getting into Europe. Um, that's you know, it, it's it's essential to the club. They, you know, I, I, I noticed uh, Mikel Arteta saying. Um, um, I noticed Mikel Arteta saying, you know, that, that the fans have got to realise that the Europa League is important to us, which is a, a sort of downgrading on, on what it used to be, where getting in the Champions League was important to them. They're now looking at a situation where we might not be in Europe at all. So, um, so that was a, a huge game for Arsenal. What more can we say about Man City, Martin? I mean, Cancelo was the star this week, wasn't yeah, he? Fabulous, um, yeah, fabulous. I mean, what he, what he does, what the guy has done with, what, what Pep has done with fullbacks, and he's is incredible and, and and it will have an impact on football for decades ahead. People will still be imitating um, and trying to develop the ideas that you suddenly see from in a, in a Pep Guardiola team that that no one else is is doing. And and to see Cancelo uh, at the at the weekend almost almost being their Kevin De Bruyne at the weekend in the week, uh, almost being their Kevin De Bruyne um, is, is quite incredible. And what he does with fullbacks, you saw that what, um, what Gareth Southgate did with Carl Walker came directly from uh, what Pep Guardiola was doing with Carl Walker, which no one had ever thought of doing with Carl Walker before. And it, it, it's, it's, it, he's, a, he's an innovator. And, and the, the goalkeepers, the way every goalkeeper plays, the way that Pep Guardiola goalkeeper plays now with, varying degrees of success it must be said because you know they, they haven't all got the technical footballers that um, Pep puts in goal but his, his whole philosophy that, that, that thing that he said if he could he would have 10 midfield players yeah. well he's actually got 11 midfield players because he, he, the goalkeeper he wants the goalkeeper to, to hit 60 yard passes and put people in as well um, and it, this, that's what Manchester City is isn't it there's nothing like it there's nothing like it I think that can only be good for football, though, Mark, can't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. If you look at what Man City are trying to do, and I think the way we're heading, this is only my opinion, the way we're heading, that I think managers in future, the, the only three defensive players they're going to want are the two centre-halves and the holding midfield player. Mm-hmm. And that, that really is what you... I know City are slightly different, but I'm talking about other teams. They will look at what City are doing. In other words, what we used to call a fallback, you won't have fallbacks anymore because... Mm-hmm. the. We already know that that position's changed and they, they don't look at how they defend. They look at how good they are at getting forward, like a Carl Walker, 
you know, like other players, Ben Chilwell, whatever. It's more about getting forward rather than how they are defensively. So we'll end up with just, which can only be good for the game because we'll have three defensive players and then you've got seven attacking players plus a goalkeeper that you're talking about. So it can only be good for the game. And it means too, doesn't it? That once upon a time, you know, fullbacks a pretty unsexy position. Let's be honest. You know, full, you know, I work a lot with Lee Dixon. Lee, you're a fullback. Come on, you're you're almost a sort of the second or third last choice, aren't you? But now with the way that we've seen it, and as Tony's explained there, actually, well, a fullback could could open up a lot of possibilities of what you can do in attacking sense. You actually see a lot of wingers now transformed into fullbacks mm. because mm. that is the the position. It's very much can you go forward? Can you can you make something happen? And and you find yourself actually now saying, oh, actually we've got a fullback that's a good defender as well because the majority of fullbacks are they are your, your creators and and it is great to see. And even when you you look at Manchester City, you look at their two centre halves. They're brilliant on the ball, Diaz and Stone. So yes, we're talking about how strong they've become defensively this season. But when they're on the ball, they're the ones that can start those those attacks off and, and the holder midfielder. Yes, they look to break up play, but also when they're on the ball, you think, wow, they're gonna they are gonna create something, they are gonna make something happen. So it is the way that, that football's moving, and it's it's just great to watch. Manchester City must be a nightmare to play against yeah. just because of their movement and their rotation. They're brilliant. Tony, I'll tell you the other two that are really fascinating me at the moment in the Champions League and the Premier League is Chelsea. They've clearly the players responded tactically to what he wants. He's incredible. I mean, he's obviously very intense, very particular. We saw the Hudson Odoi last weekend, which maybe he was trying to make a point to the whole squad. But the way they won that game at Atletico was very impressive, wasn't it, in terms of their patience and their perseverance? It was and against a good Atletico team as well. I know they've had a little blip in their form. I know they're up the top of the league, but they went about a slight blip in, in terms of their form. But, you know, Chelsea, it, since he took over, you know, I've, I've said, I think I said on this show, you know, how disappointed about I was that they got rid of Frank. I felt we deserved more time, but you know what they like, they make their decisions. But I've also said as well, you can't fault the Chelsea model because their model is, if you ain't doing it, you're out, and we get the next one in, and and they brought Tuchel in, and you know, to be fair, he's he's changed it from the point of view he's gone for the experience, which I think if you're probably in a bad run of form as a, as a club and as a team, you probably need the experienced players to come in just to settle things down a bit, try and get a bit of form, get a few results on ball. And he's done really well from that point of view. I sort of admire him in a way for what he did with hudson Doy, but I also think if I, if I put myself in that position, if I was the player, then I would be, well, I'm not having this guy. You know, he can't do things like that to me. You know, it's not a nice feeling when that happens. But would he's he, made a Would he have done it to a more experienced player, Tony? I think that's the question. Has he deliberately done it to a youngster to make the point to the rest of the dressing room? Would he have done it to a, an Alonso or a Kante or somebody? Yeah, he possibly has. But, you know, where you've got to be careful, Mark, is that you don't alienate yourself. It's all right picking all the experienced players and that. I, I had a very similar situation when I was at Everton and Howard Kendall returned. And I was one of the young players. And all the young players were, weren't being played and he was playing all the experienced players and that. And you end up, you get a little split in the camp like that because you've got the old ones are happy because they're playing and the young ones aren't happy because they're either not playing or they're taking his mate off after he's come on after on as a sub. You've got to be really careful. And the, the dressing room is a very fine line with the dressing room. You can very easily drift one way or the other and that. So we'll have to wait and see. I think it's, a, it's fascinating to see what he's doing, how he's handling the managerial side of it and the coaching and the man management and everything. It's fascinating to watch Chelsea at the moment. Marta, what do you think? I mean, uh, we were t- I was talking about this uh, on another show I did and I said, well, he's d- had to deal with Neymar. So having to deal with Hudson-Odoi isn't very difficult for him. I mean, you take the point. I mean, slightly flippant, but you take the point. He's had to deal with, with one of the biggest personalities in world football. So the Chelsea mm. dressing room probably doesn't intimidate him. 
No, I wouldn't. And also, you're going to get sacked at Chelsea anyway, so you might just as well do whatever you want, really. I mean, it is, if you're going to get sacked, you can't, you know, basically, when they appoint the next Chelsea, you know, when they appoint a new manager, you've been appointed the next Chelsea manager to be sacked, basically, you know, in in probably two years with everyone going, cool, that was a bit harsh. So, um, you know, so you might just as well do whatever you want to do. And, he, and, and he's got this... I, I, I'm amazed that he doesn't play Reese James. He plays a wing-back system. I can't yeah. think there's a better wing, right wing-back at, at the club than Reese James. I mean, I think he's an outstanding young player. But he's playing hudson Adoy for, for whatever reason. Maybe because in most games that Chelsea play, they are going to have to be on the front foot. There's going to be very few matches in a season in which Chelsea don't have to make the play because people will set up defensively against them. They'll set up to contain them. So maybe he wants a an out and out attacker as, as his right wing back, but to get that he's got to get Hudson Odoi to have the discipline of a defender as well, and you haven't got time at Chelsea, so you need to get on with it pretty pretty damn quick, basically, which is what he's done with Hudson Odoi. Right, this is what I need. If you're not up to speed, you're going to get hooked after half an hour. You know, it's up to you, mate. And then he he he, he picks him. Are we going to have more Champions League football? This current format runs till 23-24. And interesting that UEFA's proposals this week for a Swiss-style Champions League from 24 were not challenged by a single association. So I was doing a meeting earlier this month, which means that we could go from 32 to 36 clubs in the mm. Champions League. Ergo, more Champions League football. Is that really it, what yeah, we need? It was, it was always, but it was always going to be this, Mark. It was, you know, that's the answer to everything. The answer to everything is more, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> if, 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 if they haven't, if they're not making the money, you know, more, right? Let's just play more. We're playing more games. We'll do more, you know, more things in them. You know, it's, it's harder. It's harder to fail to qualify for the European Championships now than it is to get into it. I mean, you've really got to go some not to get to the European Championship finals anymore. Um, They've killed uh, the most competitive international tournament, as far as I'm concerned, because it, it, there's so many teams in it now. There's so many routes to qualify. No one understands how you get there. You just, you know, we just turn up, basically, and they go, oh, yeah, you probably have qualified. I, don't, I can't quite see where you've qualified from on this, but it's bound to be one of them. Yeah, yeah, you're in. And, and the World Cup will go the same way. The World Cup will go to 50 uh, teams eventually, um, so that will be one in four countries get there. Um, and the Champions League is now, you know, it was champions and it was then the second place team and now it's the fourth place team. And they're trying to have a discussion where, you know, if you're so useless, you've come seventh, you might still be able to get in there because, you know, you were very good five years ago. Um, and th this is this is the way modern football is. And none of these guys have got any plan other than more. That's That's all it is, more. Uh, do, so you, you think games? this will go through then probably they will expand I think it will go through on the nod the only the only um, the only discussion will be over these historical places the, this this yeah. uh, the two worst teams you could possibly imagine getting into the Champions League that happen to have a good coefficient um, that might take a little bit of debate because there might be some associations that actually to you know, the risk of being called grow a pair and turn around and say, this is not, this is not right. This is not right. 
Um, Waiting for it, a manager to talk about his club's coefficient in a press conference. Well, that, it's, it's, rid- it's ridiculous. I don't know what everyone else thinks, but I mean, you can't come seventh and go into the Champions League because you were good five years ago. You know, it's meant to be a meritocracy. That's what it's meant to be. And that changes every single year. And if you're not good, you don't get in. And that's what, if you look at what's happened to Arsenal, this colossal drift that's happened to Arsenal, it happened because there was no incentive to get better. You know, because you could come fourth and get into the Champions League. If you could come, say, take Liverpool. If Liverpool were to finish outside those top four places this season by some by some miracle, they came outside the top four places. But you could still get in anyway. They could come seventh, and because they've got a very high coefficient, they could still get in. What actual motivation would there be for FSG to invest massively in improving that team if you can just coast along and you still get the you still get the gravy at the end of it? What, yeah. what, where's your incentive? That's what happened at Arsenal. They could just coast along and they still got the gravy and it still kept the money coming in. And now, hey, presto, mid-table. And so what we're saying, Tony, is that, you know, we'll get to West Ham's season in a second properly, but West Ham could come fifth, let's say. But under this system, maybe not get in because Liverpool or Arsenal or Tottenham come seventh and they've got more of a history when it comes to European football and a bigger coefficient. Yeah, to be honest, Mark, it gets on my nerves, the so-called top six, you know, being a West Ham fan, you know, like you just get it rammed down your throat all the time, yeah. the top six this and the top six that. It's, it shouldn't be about the top six. You know, Mark has made some really good points, but for me, you know, when it went from the European Cup to the Champions League, by definition, it should have been champions, but it's not champions anymore. So the, the, the name of the competition needs to go for a start because that's a ridiculous name, Champions League. It doesn't make sense. And then when you look at the current format, regardless of who's in it, the group stages are a waste of time now because like, you, you pretty much can say, well, there's a group of four. We know the two, the, who the top two teams are going to be. So they're playing six games almost for, for no reason. There's no competitiveness. So I think it, it, it all needs to be restructured. What worries me, who is going to make the decision? Who's going to make the changes? Oh, have we got a load of old boys over in Europe who are the usual stuff on the UEFA panel who haven't got a clue about football, who are going to dream up some format. They don't talk to the managers. They don't talk to the players. They don't talk to the coaches. They don't talk to the pundits. They don't talk to the supporters. And then they dream up some format and say, well, let's get on with it for the next 10 years. It, it drives me mad. It's, it's the same, you know, whether it's UEFA, FA, FIFA. You know, they don't consult the people that are actually involved in football to come up with a product that all of us and everyone else in the, in the world is happy with. Celtic. Neil Lennon's quite often going back, doesn't work, and it certainly didn't in his case. Who would you like to see take over there? What sort of manager do you think they should be after at Celtic? I think it's a huge job, isn't it, for, for anyone who comes in. It's a, they, they have to make the, the right choice. I suppose it's a, a manager that can, I suppose, reshape a squad in a way. I know they've got some, some great players, but I do think they need to, to bring in more players. And, and it's someone who can maybe start that that building process over a few transfer windows. I know that Eddie Howe's been linked. I know mm. Steve Clark's been linked, hasn't he? But I've heard a few of the, the ex-Celtic players mention the RB Salzburg coach. Um, is it Jesse Marsh? Um, and they were saying that he just fits the profile um, and he thinks a little bit outside the box and, you know, he'll find out about what the club want, what the fans want. And I think that's probably important from a Celtic perspective so I'm going with the ex-Celtic players and and sort of throwing his name in there yeah but it makes sense no it makes sense Tony is it because I think 
you know, it, they've got to compete with Gerard as much as Rangers, haven't they? Steven Gerrard's done a fantastic job there. And it's somebody, I, I wonder if that's right, because it might be easy to get somebody outside of Britain than an Eddie Howe who immediately is compared with Steven Gerrard. And what have you done, Eddie Howe? And Bournemouth went down. Whereas somebody from Europe, it might just be a little bit easier in that sense. Yeah, possibly, Mark. I'm sure that, listen, Celtic is a massive, massive football club. Personally, I'd love one day to see Celtic and Rangers come down and play in the, in the Premier League. Earn the right, by the way. They can go and play in League Two to yeah. start with, like what Rangers did a few years ago and work their way through. Yeah. We're not going to put them straight in the Premier League, but I'd love that to happen. Anyway, that's another story. But in terms of the managerial thing, um, I'll throw a name in, which would be great, which would be Frank Lampard. You know, imagine Gerard and Lampard. I, I think oh. Frank is in the betting. You know, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he was to go up there and have a go. Eddie Howe would be a great choice. You know, I, I can only talk about the, the managers that I, I know about. Um, so there's a couple there. Um, I think John Kennedy is the favourite, who's the ex. Yeah. I think he played for, did he play for Celtic? I think he did. Is he the lad working with Martinez, isn't he? So, you know, maybe Martinez, at the end of the Euros, maybe he might decide he's had enough of the Belgian job and then come and do the job. And then John Kennedy comes in. I think that might be an option as well. So it's an attractive job. You know, as an outsider, you've got, if you want to throw some fireworks, you put Roy Keane in charge. You know, it's, there's, there's plenty of options for Celtic, isn't there? You know, Martin O'Neill, another old manager. I don't think they'll go down that route because they've just done that way with Neil Lennon. So yeah. I think they'll look for a fresh start with someone. But for me personally... How about Lampard and Gerrard up in Glasgow? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Oh, can they play with each other to can they play against each other, Martin? <laughs> yeah. How good would that be? No, I mean, as I say, fine. Gerrard's cast a big shadow over whatever they do at yeah, Parkhead. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, I mean, I was wrong. I think a lot of people were wrong about Stephen Gerrard going to Rangers. I thought it was, I thought it was crackers uh, uh, to go there at that time. You just couldn't see anybody um, getting ahead of Celtic. You looked at the the level of players that, that Rangers were buying at that stage and that they were championship players um, and not even the championship players that the Premier League teams were, uh, were after. And you just thought, this is, this, is, this is a dead-end job. This is a way of, you know, ruining your, ruining your reputation, ruining your start at the start of your managerial career. He's done a fabulous job. He really has done a, done a magnificent job there. All I would say about the, and the Celtic job, is there's no Scottish managers. The, 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 and, and this is, I'm not saying I've got a big list of Scottish managers here that, that I, I think should do it, but there are no Scottish managers because we've got a load of them down here and it's always been this great, you know, this, this great tradition of Scottish coaches that have been, you know, um, uh, very successful in English football. There was a fellow at Manchester United, I seem to remember, did all right. And... Um, I, I'm, I'm always amazed that when the Celtic job comes up, everybody talks in terms of a foreign coach, everyone talks of an English coach or whatever, and no one ever talks about the coaches they've got up there. And then they come down and they work, say, in the championship or whatever, and often do rather well. Let's have a look ahead to the weekend. So I think we'll let Tony start with West Ham. So let me start with you, because, you know, West Ham are doing so well. Chelsea, Manchester United, Sue, that is a big game. We've talked a lot about Tuchel and Manchester United are doing well, they're not doing as well as they'd want to, but they're, you know, if you if we were if I were a bookmaker and I said, well, we'll take Man City out of the betting, then you would probably have them favourites to finish top of that particular league. 
Yeah, I think it was an important win, wasn't it, for for Manchester United against um, Newcastle? Maybe not the performance that they necessarily wanted, but I think it was just about getting that that three points. And and what United do have is they've they've got match winners in the side. So if if things maybe aren't going quite right, you've got a Rashford or you've got a Fernandez that can just pop up and and make a real difference. Yeah, they're in a, a good position. You just think for them to maybe kick on to that next level. That's what that's what they want to do. But this is going to be a, a tough game against their. Very hard to beat um, Thomas Tuchel's side at, at the moment, and it wouldn't put it past them to to go and finish nil nil. We'll build it up so much, and it'll be yeah. a, <laughs> it could be a, a stalemate. Hopefully not. Hopefully it'll be a, a real exciting game. Come on then, Tony! Blowing bubbles forever. <laughs> Champions League football. Fingers crossed. We're all vaccinated. You can go on a European tour. Don't matter how big the Champions League is. Hammers on tour. Is it going to happen? I'll take Champions League or Europa League, Mark, to be honest. Yeah. After the season we had, you've got to put it in perspective. We nearly got relegated last year. You know, David Boys has done an outstanding job. The players have responded. You know, he's, he, for once they've been consistent and good in the transfer market. The last couple of windows, they've brought in the right players. So at last, there's a bit of a happy ship there. So listen, my opinion, we'll see where West Ham are tomorrow because... The one thing I want, I, listen, I don't expect them to go to the Etihad and win. I, I really don't because they're up against a top Manchester City team. There's no doubt about that. What I want to see them do, and I, I think I'll speak for, probably speak for Martin as well, I'll speak for most West Ham fans, go and have a go. Yeah. Just go and have a go. Don't do what Arsenal did last week. Sit back and let Man City pass around you and have 80% possession or something ridiculous like that. Go and have a go. I'm not saying gung-ho and go and get beat 5-0, but... You know, go and take the game to City as much as possible. We know they're a top team, but West Ham defensively have been outstanding. They've got some real quality in that midfield as well in terms of attacking flair players. So, you know, they're very, very good on the counter-attack. It works for West Ham at the moment. So I think it's going to be a fascinating game. If West Ham can get a draw, that's a fantastic result. And if they get in Europe by the end of the season, and I mean this, whether it's Champions League or Europa League, at the moment, I would say they're more likely to be in the Europa League. But if they make you know they've they've got good running. The last, if you look at the last six games, they've got games that they can win. But the problem is they've got City, they've got Leeds coming up, they've got Arsenal coming up, they've got Manchester United coming up. The next four games, four very very tough games. So we'll know a little bit more in in four games time exactly where West Ham are. But outstanding season, and they've got a great chance of going and putting in a good performance tomorrow. Let's finish with a slightly strange story. After it emerged that Leicester found out about Jack Grealish's injury before their game last weekend because Leicester noticed that Aston Villa players had removed Grealish from their fantasy league team. So there's a, there's a suggestion, Sue, the Premier League players might have to be barred from playing fantasy league or at least play anonymously so that this doesn't happen again. I mean, I don't really know where to go with this, but it is quite interesting, actually. It is. It's, it's quite bizarre, isn't it? I think yeah. I can see probably from, from both ways, I can see different arguments, that the fact that the Premier League players play this and they talk about it. I think it's contributed to the massive growth of it. Um, but then you can see there is a conflict conflict of, of interest there. Um, the fact that, you know, I don't know, that people knew that Grealish was out because of this. I, I, I think if you're going to ban the players from doing it, you then have to ban the staff as well, the people yeah. that are in and around the training ground. Because they're the going staff, to be wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was the staff. Was it the staff? Was it? I think it was the staff as much as anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Coaches and stuff like that, and people in the medical staff and everything. But then you could go the other way round, couldn't you? Actually, you could 
you could pretend that Grealish was injured and take him <laughs> yeah. out. And then yeah. Leicester go, oh, Grealish is not playing. So they'll be playing like this instead of this. And then, you know, the team seats are handed in at whatever it is, 10 to 2. And then Grealish is on the team. So or you, you could actually, actually just work on... Or you could actually just work on your tactics with your real team and see if you can beat yeah, them yeah. that way. You know, I mean, it's... You know, you know on the as training you, as, ground. As we all know, Sue, as you and Tony know, now you are not allowed to bet on football at all. If you are involved in football, you cannot bet on any football match, even, you know, even a non-league one or something abroad. So it may be, and that's including if you're a coach, maybe as Tony as Martin says, it's the coaches doing it. Everybody has to be barred. I don't really know what the answer is, to be honest. I don't pretend to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's got to be everyone that's involved in, in probably at the training ground, isn't it? And, the, you know, in that, in the sanctum that you would call of, of you know, the, the training ground yeah. and perhaps key people that work at the main ground as well. You know, I mean, obviously we're in different times at the moment, but, yeah. you know, personally, I don't do the fantasy league, but I, I think it's, it's, I think it's naive, Mark, to think that this is the first time that something's come out of a training ground or, that players don't talk to each other. I mean, you know, in our days, you, all you have was a telephone, but if you were speaking to your mate who played for the opposition and you you could easily say something that you didn't mean to or whatever, it comes out and then that can get reported back. So that's always gone on. In the modern era, you've got social media and there's so many ways of communicating with different players from different teams. So that can happen as well. Um, but in terms of the Fantasy League one, I mean, it's it must be so frustrating for, for someone like Dean Smith because... You do your tactics, you do your work on the Friday and that, and then all of a sudden they go, well, the Saturday or whatever it was, and it comes out that, you know, your, your star man's not playing, at which point it gets through to Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers can then pick a team accordingly because he knows that the star player's not playing and you then can work around it and make changes. So mm. you can't, it, 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 it can't be allowed to happen in the professional game, Mark. I'm talking from the football club's point of view, forget sure. everything else. You cannot have that happening because you're giving an advantage to the team. And guess what? Leicester beat Aston Villa. So it tells yeah. you everything. Sue, do you do fancy football? Oh, no, I don't do no. it either. Martin, no. I don't think... For the first time this year. First really? time this year. Only, hey, only, hey, only hey, with my lads. I've got, three, I've got three sons and two nephews yeah. and we're, we're in a league together. I'm solidly oh. mid-table. How are you getting on? Solidly mid-table, Tony. You know, <laughs> mid-table mediocrity. Yeah. I was going to call my team that, to be fair. Uh, it would have been a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, I'm, afraid, yeah, so I, I'm even worse than you, Martin, because I do a fantasy family one, but I'm afraid I delegate my team. They went, come on, you must be in that. I went, all right. So I had a word with one and said, run my team for me, will you? Yeah, right, I'll <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm used to I left 24 points on the bench the other week. I mean, oh. I, I looked at the, the, the bench made more than the team. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On.